1: Now, here's Frank,
0: Scott, Chris, and Adam. And just like that, we're back. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, the off-season edition on Tuesday, September 29th. Frank Stanfield and Scott White, and I've got to say, it feels weird that we haven't talked for so long. Did you miss me, Scott?
1: Oh, well, we missed one day, so no, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a chance to miss you, sorry to say.
0: Uh, Alright, well, I guess I'm on an island, but that's fine, because, you know, that's the way it's been, like, my whole first season, so... I'm used to it by now. Today on the show, we've got our 2020 fantasy baseball season awards. Should we call these something? I don't know. You know, and of course, you have the Oscars in real life with the Academy Awards. I mm-hmm. was thinking, I, I don't know, what would the name of it be? Should we call them like the Azers or like the FBTs? Uh, the Azers. <laughs> Although Are these ne- all
1: my awards, or do you have some submissions too? Because the Azers wouldn't make sense if they're yeah. all mine.
0: I was thinking too, like the Scotties. The Scotties. <laughs> would that I make don't sense? Know. I, I have a this is, free, this is the I'm second
1: so- annual second annual uh, awards podcast that we've done. So uh I guess we haven't I guess we haven't gotten around to naming it yet. We'll we'll have to I don't know. Maybe maybe we should crowdsource that one.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Email us, fantasy at cbsi.com. We'll still take your emails. We'll answer some towards the end of uh, some of these shows. So if you have some keeper questions or just questions for the offseason, fantasy philosophy, life philosophy, whatever it might be. Uh, But if you have a good name for our seasonal awards, so next year, we don't have to do this all over again, let us know. The Scotties, the Azers, the FPTs. If you have something more creative, which is likely, please just let us know. And before we get into those, shout out to Scott, man, for winning Tout Wars, the mixed league 15-team Roto. That is quite the accomplishment, Scott. Not only did you win it, but you were basically leading the entire season, right? Pretty much, pretty much. I went into
1: the last week trailing Tim McLeod by a point and a half and was worried I was going to blow it, but my like I I there was no room for me to fall in the in the pitching categories. I had such a stronghold in those five categories that you know, others others couldn't maintain their their leads in the categories they had uh, gained ground in, and and so I ended up winning by, I think it was six points. Uh, so yeah, Tout Wars, big win. First year I've won it, of course, fourth year playing. I had finished second and third before, so, uh, you know, hadn't embarrassed myself, but certainly nothing like actually finishing in first.
0: Yeah, that is a fantastic accomplishment. It's a tough league. It's a, definitely a tough crowd as well. I mean, for any, anyone who doesn't know what Tout Wars is, it is uh, a an industry expert league. So, I mean, some of the best fantasy baseball minds that you can imagine are part of this league. I believe Rudy Gamble's in that league. You mentioned Tim McLeod, Adam Ronis. Yeah. Um, some really, really smart players are in that league. It's, so, it's so, been around for a long time. Yeah, and a there are different time. variations of Tout Wars, too. So if you hear people talking about it, like there's an AL only, there's an NL NO only Roto. There's a 15-team mixed snake draft, which is what Scott is in. There's a 15-team mm-hmm. mixed Roto auction uh, that's you know probably, I guess, the most well-known one or the one that might have been around the longest time. And there's also the head-to-head points one, which I am a part of. I joined this year for the first time. And I came in fifth place, so not the greatest showing. Yeah, I kind of held my own. I, I know a little bit more what to expect heading into next season. Um, so try to do a little bit better. Try to follow in the footsteps of Scott White, see if I could take down Tout Wars next year. I did manage, however. I only won one of my leagues, I think, I had seven or eight leagues that actually you set lineups, and there's fab and stuff. I had a few best ball drafts and draft and hold leagues. But I did win my longest standing home league, Scott. I'm very proud of this. Never won it before. Even my dad's won it, and I've never won it. 12-team, head-to-head points. We played triple headers. I went 21-0, and and then I swept the finals. Never been done in this league. It's crazy. Wow,
1: the immaculate season. Yeah. That's, That's one way to get it done.
0: And I won the final week. By one and a half points, it was. I was sweating it out the final. I was watching Mark Canna at-bats on Sunday. There's football going on. I'm watching Mark Canna at-bats. I'm watching JD Martinez hit a home run for me. So, oof, sweating that out. It was a lot of fun. And for anyone else out there who won their fantasy baseball leagues, honestly, give yourself a pat on the back because it was the craziest season probably ever. Uh, And there was a lot to overcome. So, really, you should be proud if you won the league. All right, enough of this jibber-jabber. Let's get into the season awards for 2020 and with that we'll start off with the most impactful player and I have this really long drum roll so I'm only going to play it once on the show but we should probably (laughs) play it for the most impactful player for the season so
1: Shane Beaver Yeah. The most, most impactful player, a distant number one in fantasy points per game among starting pitchers, the number one overall player in Roto scoring as well, and I think the second pitcher, U Darvish, was was 10th. So it was Bieber followed by nine pitchers in that format. Bieber was my second-round pick in Intout Wars. Garrett Cole was actually my first, so I started with two pitchers there. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, There's no doubt he's the Cy Young in the AL. He might be the MVP in the AL. He was just at the most impactful position. He was by far the number one contributor, and that makes him the most impactful player in fantasy. I would venture to say that uh, among league winners, he's probably, you know, I'm just guessing here, but I would guess he would be among the most rostered players on league winners.
0: I actually had him on that league that I just on that team that I just told you about, that head to head points league team. So I had him and Garrett Cole, which I think was the same case for you in Tout Wars. So pitching, absolutely getting it done this season, Shane Bieber 8 and 1, 1.63 ERA, 0. 0.87 whip, 122 strikeouts in 77 and a third innings pitched. He was the number 1 overall player in Roto. He had an ADP of the second round. We talked about this a few times already. He's probably going to be a mid first round pick. I think that is warranted. Go a little bit higher even in points leagues. You know, it'll probably be a top three pick overall in points leagues. We'll have arguments over DeGrom or Bieber, but I think those two are very clearly the number one and two pitchers heading into fantasy baseball in 2021. Scott, the most valuable hitter in 2020 was Luke Voigt. And understand
1: that the way I'm measuring value here is... The the best bang for your buck, what you paid for the player versus what he contributed to you. Luke Voigt was, uh, let me double check here. He, He was barely drafted inside the top 200, 189th overall. He went behind Justin Upton, Willie Calhoun, Brian Reynolds, Chris Davis so many, somebody many useless players. He went behind them all on average and he ended up leading the majors in home runs by three 22. Jose Abreu was second with 19. So, uh, you know, 12th overall is, is how he came out in, in rotisserie leagues, 12th among all players. Uh, it's not like he was a nobody coming into the season, but I, his draft stock actually fell, uh, from last year when he went pretty late too. And, um, you know, obviously, it was a big score for the people who drafted him.
0: Yeah, and shout-out to Chris Towers. I know Chris was all over Luke Voigt in the offseason. Even as we were getting closer, you know, he kept pushing him up and pushing up and say, "You know, what's the difference between Luke Voigt and Paul Goldschmidt? Although Goldschmidt was fine as well. He held his own, even with all the... COVID complications with the Cardinals uh, but yeah Voit was fantastic 52 RBI 51 runs scored you mentioned the 22 home runs which led baseball his ADP was in the 16th round you mentioned some of the players that went ahead of him uh, we're looking at this from a pure value perspective Luke Voit, it's really hard to argue with that and he's probably a top five first baseman drafted next year Scott or like right in that vicinity I'd imagine yeah I would
1: Think so. There were a lot of underachievers at the position, and it's going to be difficult to um, to reconcile those. But Voigt Voit will be in that mix for sure.
0: Yeah, and he finished only behind Freddie Freeman and Jose Abreu. He was in, uh, Luke Voigt was the number three first baseman in both formats, head to head points, and in roto leagues. Of course, those other names, Freeman and Abreu, were drafted much higher than Luke Voigt. The most valuable pitcher award, aka Frank will never be more wrong about a player in his life. Award goes to Trevor Bauer. Oh yeah. And I could
1: probably come up with some other value pitchers to go here. I, I wanted some different names for different categories. I mean, Dylan Bundy is somebody you could suggest here, but Trevor Bauer, I think in my mind, it's pretty clear. He's the NL Cy Young winner and, uh, you know, finishes the year with, a 173 ERA 0.79 whip really right with Shane Bieber in, in all of those categories, everything except for the wins, the win loss record Um, and a little behind in strikeouts too, I guess, but still K per nine Trevor Bauer was 12.3. I mean, uh, and and he was drafted. Yeah. He was drafted as a high end pitcher, but toward the back of the top 20. And there was a lot of hesitation among people, whether he really deserved to be drafted there. So Uh, given the amount of impact he had, even though it wasn't a huge discount, I'm going to give this award to him.
0: (laughs) What can I say? Because literally could not be more wrong about a player. There's a lot of volatility with Trevor Bauer, at least there was entering the season. And he really shut me up. 21.5 fantasy points per game. Second among starting pitchers. He was the SP3 in Roto behind only Shane Bieber and Hugh Darvish. A 1.73 ERA, 0.79 whip 100 strikeouts in 73 innings pitched. I was trying to figure out, you know, what did he do differently this season than ever before? And something we haven't really talked about is the control. 2.10 walks per nine is by far a career best for him. He allowed just a 25% hard contact rate. That was fourth best among qualified starting pitchers. Again, this is all for Trevor Bauer. Lots of spin rates up. I know yep. a few that's, people... that's
1: the big one to me. Like the spin rate was up a lot on everything. And if if that continues, I don't see why he'd, he, he'd go back to being bad like he was in 2019, but who knows?
0: The problem, Scott, here is going to be the opportunity cost in, in 2021. He's going to be a second round pick or, you know, a borderline second round pick. And he deserves to be. But mm-hmm. the year to draft Trevor Bauer was this year because you were getting him at that, you know, suppressed cost. Now you have to, we're going back to 2000, what, 19? Right before last year, he was being drafted in the second round. So Yeah, coming
1: off that 2018 season when he was very much in the Cy Young mix as well. So that's, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, For what it's worth, I think he is going to be my number five starting pitcher heading into last year, Aaron Nola. Was in that spot, but three duds to end the season. Nola's overall numbers still look good, but Bowers are—they're—they're yeah, they're in a different league from Bowers. Obviously,
0: he's probably going to win the National League side, Young, Scott. But did you hear his comments over the weekend? No. Uh, there was someone asked him about it. and He's like, "I don't see how it could be anybody else. It's just, oh God, <laughs> he's, he's so polarizing. You either love his antics or you hate him. And, and normally, I, I." I like when players add value to the game, um, you know, by doing extracurricular things. But I don't know. There's something about Trevor Bauer that just rubs me the wrong way. Most improved hitter, Teoscar. Oh.
1: It's one of the other Teoscar's
0: oh, out yeah. there. We'll obviously. See. No, it's Teoscar it.
1: Hernandez. Thanks for spoiling <laughs> it, Frank. My bad. No, I, I, where did this guy come from? Where did this production come from? uh 289 with 16 homers six steals even and that's when he that's even though he missed a couple weeks with an injury during a. yeah you know, oh it was only a 60 game season he slugged 579 uh the walk rate wasn't very good but the expected stats support what he was doing i don't know i'm not gonna have a ton of confidence heading into teoscar hernandez next year but it's he was, he was a hugely impactful player, basically, out of nowhere this year.
0: He was ridiculous. I tweeted this out earlier, the top 12 at each position in Roto. Teoscar Hernandez was the, was the fifth best outfielder. And you mentioned he had an I.L. stint. He was behind mm-hmm. only Marcelo Zuna, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, and Mike Trout. 289, yeah. 16 homers, 34 RBI, 33 runs, 6 steals. So, just insane. And you mentioned the expected stats. Hits the ball extremely hard. 93.3 mile per hour average exit velocity. 295 XBA, so basically he even underperformed by a little bit. He had a 579 slug. 613 expected slug. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, there's a lot to like, but he's he's this year's version, and it's not even a full season, so we'll never know, but he's this year's version of you know last year's uh, Josh Bell and Marcus Semien. Some of these one year wonders is it legit so that's where you're going to have to ask yourself in the off season and we'll deep dive and try and figure that out together someone tweeted me asking you know what do you think his adp is going to be next year and i like a i would say 6 through 8 round 6 through 8 maybe somewhere around yeah, there scott
1: i'm thinking like a top 25 outfielder
0: yeah all right the only other person i thought maybe should have been Consider for this, and and of course, I'm sure you consider a few different names. But Dom Smith came to mind for me. For, ah, for this one. well,
1: if we can if we can get moving through these, he'll <laughs> have his own category.
0: True story. Scott sent me this about an hour before we started recording, and there's like 40 different awards on here. There's so 40 awards. We're gonna yeah. try and get through as many as we possibly can. I got
1: I got a little carried away.
0: No, nah, it's fine. You're having fun. With I had it? to narrow it down to 40. <laughs> we're having fun with it as well. All right, most improved pitcher. Who do you got here, Scott?
1: Corbin Burns, again, this is a category that could have gone to several players. Dylan Bundy, you know, he was the first name that came to mind for me. But Corbin Burns, when you consider as uh, he had an 8.82 ERA last year and then it was 2.11 this year, he became kind of a dark horse candidate for the Cy Young Award at, at one point and just really, really found his groove as a starter. Uh, that's clearly the most improved guy. Probably going to be a top 20 starting pitcher off the board next year, provided he's at full health. He had an injury at the end of the season, but I don't think it's the sort of thing that's going to impact him heading into next season. And oh, this, those Brewers are in the playoffs, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out with Burns if he's going to be available. Oblique strain probably won't be available for their three game series. And, you know, we'll see if they continue after that. But, but yeah, great year for Burns. Most improved pitcher. Most improved pitcher. Mid season edition. Who do you have for this one, Scott? Adalberto Mondesi mm. gets an award here, as much as I hate to admit it. So, um, July and August, that first week and month, basically, he was a disaster at the plate. He hit 186, no home runs. Did have eight steals, but at 451 OPS, not, not slugging percentage, 451 OPS through August 31st. And then in September just blew up, hit 356 with six home runs, had 16 steals at 1075 OPS was amazing. His last five games were multi-hit games, four steals and two home runs during that stretch. Um, Salvaged his season line. He ended up hitting 256 for the season with six homers, twenty-four steals, and a sixty-game season. I mean, that's pretty pretty remarkable for Mondesi. Now, in that second month in September, strikeout rate was still terrible. The line drive rate was still pitiful. I'm not really sure why he had so much success, but I you know, it's not the first time we've seen him do this kind of stuff at the plate. And we know he can run. He's going to be a pretty high pick next year.
0: And I think he deserves to be. I know for most of the season he was a disappointment, but you mentioned what he did in September and it was just fantastic. He did lower the strikeout rate 3% from 31.6 in the first uh, through August and then lowered it down to 28% in September. And he upped his walk rate, 8% walk rate in September. That's something we've never seen from Adalberto Monesi. If he can just maintain, you know, anywhere like 6 to 8% walk rate, that would be fantastic for his overall value get on base and could steal more bags but in a roto or head-to-head categories league this is somebody who can absolutely win you your league so I'm right back in Scott in those specific formats head-to-head points I mean you know obviously he takes a hit in value there but a whole offseason to rest up that shoulder remember he had shoulder surgery last offseason that could have, that might have contributed to him getting off to the slow start this year and then really really picked it up so
1: yeah that's true I think yep. can't it, forget the shoulder impact. I, I mean, the numbers still don't make sense,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but but maybe he's one of those guys where they're not going
0: to. The one thing he does, guy, he hits the ball hard. You know, mm-hmm. the average exit velocity over 90 miles per hour for a shortstop, you're not used to seeing that. So uh, just needs to make more contact. I think ultimately that's what it comes down to for Mondesi. All right, we'll go from most improved to the biggest collapse. Biggest midseason collapse, Scott. Yeah, what and people
1: may not even be aware of this one, but Luis Robert, remember how much hype he was getting at one point through August 31st? So, again, the, the first full month, and then the little bit of July before that, he was hitting 298 with 10 home runs, four steals, and a 960 OPS. In September, Luis Robert hit 136, he was 11 mm. for 81. With just one home run, five steals, a 409 OPS. Wow. He was, his September was even worse than Mondesi's August. And finishes the season batting 233 with a 738 OPS. I'm not sure he deserves to be the AL Rookie of the Year. Frankly, with that, with with the way the numbers ended up.
0: Yeah, this September was very bad for Luis Robert. You mentioned it. Uh, 136 batting average. The one home run he hit, that was his only extra base hit in all of September. So didn't hit a single double or triple or anything. And... 34% strikeout rate in September uh, and a 27% infield fly ball rate. So just everything going wrong for him during this final month. His 22% strikeout rate overall for the season, swinging strike rate, excuse me, led all qualified hitters. That is an issue. So some things he needs to clean up in the off season. We'll see, you know, how he looks heading into spring training. Hopefully he works on those things. But as of now, I'm getting serious Javier Baez vibes from Luis Robert, although he does walk a little bit more than Javier Baez. Uh, But yeah, those strikeouts are legit. Scott, um, any consideration for Fernando Tatis here?
1: Yes. Yes, there was. But Luis Robert was more extreme. And Tatis, I mean, it's hard to say he collapsed because the final numbers are still amazing. But his September was pretty rough. Pretty rough, if I could pull up those numbers. Real quick, Fernando Tatis in September hit...
0: 208, I have it here, Scott. 208, 21% strikeout rate. So it really didn't strike out all that much. No, he didn't. But a 52% ground ball rate. The one thing that stood out to me for Tatis' month-by-month production is every month his ground ball rate went up and his fly ball rate and line drive rates went down, which is... Not what you want to see from Fernando Tatis. So. But
1: I'll certainly bet on him if he retains a strikeout rate below 25%. I mean, oh, yeah. that's, he just, that's going to be a good scenario for him, even if, even if it didn't work out for him in September.
0: He impacts the ball so hard. <laughs> We're talking a 95 mile per hour average exit velocity for Fernando Tatis. So I think most people will still be on Tatis as like a top five pick heading into next season. And if you're like most people, you have a balance on your credit card and a higher rate of interest than you would like. Why not turn those balances into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate and start saving money? Lightstream's fixed rate credit card consolidation loans start at 5.95% APR with autopay and excellent credit. The application is 100% online. You don't even have to leave your house to apply. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and there are absolutely no fees. Seriously, credit card debt is no joke, can be really, really tough to deal with. I've had close friends and family have issues with this in the past. Now, I wish I knew about Lightstream uh, back then, so I could have helped them out. Uh, Here's one of many Positive customer reviews on Lightstream. I heard about Lightstream while listening to one of my favorite podcasts, and it prompted me to do some more research after shopping around for a personal loan that would help me get a lower interest rate. There was no one easier to work with. Plus, Lightstream had the best rate by far. Better yet, no fees, and I had my cash within two business days. Overall, amazing experience. Highly recommended. Our listeners here on Fantasy Baseball Today can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash strike. That's L I G H T S T R E A M.com slash strike S T R I K E subject to credit approval rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash strike for more information. Scott, you have an award here called the Bobby Big Bad Award. What is that? What, is, what does this mean? It's specifically
1: home run impact for a, a low cost, major home run impact for a low cost. And it's got to go to Adam Duvall. Homer. Two, three homer games. Homer. <laughs> Two, three homer games. He finished tied for, let me see here, tied for seventh in home runs with 16. And was free. I mean, nobody wanted him coming into the season. It's it's not like he for sure had a job. He kind of uh, forced his way into the lineup regularly because he just, he wanted to slow down. And oh, he's not a great hitter. He ended up hitting 237, a 301 OBP. I mean, that's, that's always who he's been, but he's always been a guy who can put the ball over the fence Uh, With regularity, when it gets hot, he had 230 homer seasons for the Reds, and that was before the home run explosion, really. And um, I suspect he'll enter next year with a starting job and might have some value then, even if it is on the low end as a category specialist type.
0: Yeah, maybe in a Roto League, your fourth, fifth outfielder, I think most people are going to think the way that you just kind of laid it out and they're not going to actively be seeking out someone like adam duvall but hey cheap exposure to one of the best lineups in baseball maybe the best lineup in baseball so if you can get him super late in your drafts no one else believes in him i guess that makes sense but just it feels like we've been here done this with uh with adam duvall before but definitely contributed with a few of those um three homer games ridiculous uh the freddie fleetfoot award scott i guess this is the opposite of the bobby big bad Award.
1: yeah it's it's the it's the stolen base version of the home run award the idea is low cost steals like it is low cost home runs the the problem is you don't get a lot of that so much (laughs) these days uh and when you do like i could give this to somebody like roman quinn who was 12 for 12 in stolen bases but he hit like garbage and probably didn't want to use them anyway. Uh, So I'm going to give it to Alberto Mondesi because his 24 steals, uh, fourth place in stolen base was half that. Like second place was two thirds of that. (laughs) He was so far ahead of everybody in stolen bases in a way people could actually enjoy. And, uh, you know, for the, for as little impact, like he he single-handedly won you that category probably with with that total. I mean, you may. Not, I'm not saying everybody who had Adalberto Mondesi for sure won stolen bases, but they didn't lose it with those 24. So yeah, he he's he's a dual award winner here: most improved midseason edition and the Freddie Fleetfoot Award.
0: Yeah, he actually finished as the seventh best shortstop in Roto again. This is Adalberto Mondesi, and according to his Roto, roto rank on CBS, CBS, where he finished top 30 hitter, a top 30 player overall, Scott. He was the 28th best player because of those 24 steals. And, look, I didn't get much right heading into the season, but the one thing I said is once we had this abbreviated season in Roto leagues, if, if I play in an auction or even a draft, I mean, I was actively seeking out if I can get Trey Turner in the first round or if I can get Mondesi in the fourth round or whatever it might be, you know, 20 bucks in an auction I, I was going to seek those players out because I thought that they were the very clear, obvious difference makers, uh, and they both were. Scott, did you know that Trey Turner wound up as the number one shortstop in Roto Leagues ahead of Fernando Tatis? It,
1: it doesn't surprise me. I was I was just about to say he finished tied for fourth in stolen bases after taking forever to get his first. He finished tied for fourth with, tw- with 12.
0: Look at this final line for Trey Turner. 3.35. 12 homers, 41 RBI, 46 runs, 12 steals. That is a legitimate five-category contributor. I mean, just talking about it now kind of makes me think Trey Turner should be higher in Roto next year. He might be a top-five pick. I don't know who you can move him ahead of, but just looking at that line. Yeah, that's
1: that's the thing. I don't know who I can move him ahead of to get him in the top five. I I think I have him like 10th now, which is actually lower than I had him coming into this season. It's less about him, obviously, than you know, what I feel like is an increased urgency for starting pitcher and and, and the fact that Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. I, I know I have Trey Turner ahead of Bellinger, but not Christian Yelich.
0: Yeah. We might have to make that swap in the offseason. Don't worry, Scott. We have time. You the real MVP. <laughs> Who wins that? Yeah, that's
1: one I I don't want to go too deep into it, but I, I just wanted to throw some love Marcelo Zuna's way. Holder. Because nobody's really talking about him for the MVP award. And yet in roto leagues, he's the number seven overall player, number six hitter. In points leagues, he is the uh, in, in in let's see, in terms of points. Yeah, he's the number four hitter in points leagues. Behind Freddie Freeman's number one in points leagues, then Jose Ramirez, Trey Turner. And then there's Marcelo Zuna, 338, 18 home runs, fifty-six runs, ten. Uh, 1067 OPS. Like it was a monstrous season for a guy on a winning team who, I, I feel like, kind of flew under the radar because he was on the same team as Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna.
0: Please, please, re-sign with the Atlanta Braves. He's on a one-year contract, right, Scott? Yes, he is. Ooh, yeah. Would love to see him back in that lineup. Fantastic season. And, and this is another one, like not to the same extent as Corbin Burns, but this was a Trust the process. The expected stats last year were much better than the actual stats for Marcelo Zuna. Wound up hitting 338, 56 RBI. He was the number one outfielder in Roto Leagues, and he had 10 more RBI than the next closest outfielder, which was Mike Trout. Mike Trout had 46 RBI. Marcelo Zuna had 56, the number one outfielder in Roto with zero steals. That just tells you how valuable he really was.
1: It, it's interesting that you use that phrase, "trust the process," because I do have an award, Mister Trust the Process, and it was more in season than from one season to the next. It's it's Luis Castillo, who remember, uh, people were worried about him at the start of the year because he kept having bad starts. He yep. had a 4.76 ERA after three, a 4.10 ERA after seven, but we kept telling him the ratios look good. You know, a lot of missed bats there. It's going to come around, had a 2.20 ERA over his final five starts, and it ended with a 3.21 ERA, and nobody's doubting whether he's a top-12 starting pitcher going into next season. So that's Mr. Trust the Process, Luis Castillo.
0: Yes, a fantastic point. And, you know, his numbers this year were actually better than they were in 2019. So swinging strike rate two years in a row up over 15%, that is just... Fantastic. All except for
1: whip. The whip ended up pretty high.
0: Yeah, 1.23. That is uh, a decent bit. What did he get hurt by? Still walks a lot of guys. Over three walks per nine. The hits were up a little bit. He had some
1: bad Babbitt luck. That was part of what was contributing to his struggles. At least that's how I interpret it. Bad, Bad Babbitt luck.
0: Yeah. So he had a 329 Babbitt this season. Luis Castillo. For his career, 275. And his hard contact rate was 30.9%, which was his lowest over the past three seasons. So despite giving up less hard contact, his batting average on balls in play was the highest it was for his career. So yeah, definitely makes sense to me that that was bad luck. And there might even be a next gear for Luis Castillo based on the underlying metrics here that we saw in 2020. All right, let's move on. We have... The best calls, in parentheses, by me. I, I assume that's by you, Scott. By me, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I wrote that, so not you. Yeah, best call by me is Madison Bumgarner, who I kept... Uh, when talking about my bust candidates, I, I always put him first and foremost with that move to Arizona. I was not anticipating a drop in ERA on top of what he had already lost, but once that happened, it was pretty clear that he just wasn't going to do... It wasn't going to be of any use for anybody this year, and is probably done. I say probably because his last two starts were actually pretty good—five scoreless innings with two hits in each of them. Um, and his velocity was up a little from earlier in the season, so you know he's just—he's—I I could see him having this, like he has such a gamer mentality that I—I could—I could see him having this kind of um, second stretch of his career where he just refuses to die. It, kind of like Adam Wainwright, where, you know, he can he can make himself relevant again. Uh, but I certainly won't be putting much value on him heading into next season and I don't think anyone else should either.
0: That's a fair comp too. I I think John Lester comes to mind too, where the past couple of years he hasn't been good, but he goes through stretches where he's kind of serviceable, but you know deep down he's not very good and the underlying numbers are very bad. So John Lester, Adam Wainwright, I think, fair comps for Madison Bumgarner in this final stretch uh, of his career. For me, I had um, my be- some of my best calls. Of course, you know, Manny Machado, Jose Abreu. I was all over these guys. I think collectively, Corey Seager. We kind of dubbed this podcast the Corey Seager podcast, and he was ridiculous. I think he's probably like a third or fourth round pick in 2021. Yep, I would think so. Yeah, third so, round, probably. Uh, and then a few that I had in, in the bus column that I got right, Jose Altuve and Chris Bryant. Jose Altuve, I, I've got to dive in a little bit more. I'm not ready to say that he's just done, but I, we might yeah. be getting close to it. Uh, just doesn't run anymore, and if he's not contributing batting average, not really a huge power guy either. I don't know how much Jose Altuve is going to help. Still a really good lineup in the Astros, uh, although you wouldn't be able to tell based on their you know collective effort this season. And then Chris Bryant, it's just... The injuries just continue to rack up. He did kind of finish the season strong here over the final weekend of the season. He hit a few home runs, but man, Altuve and Chris Bryant, worried about those guys moving forward. The worst call that you had in 2020, Scott?
1: We talked about it a lot. Fernando Tatis, who I had as a bust, and acknowledging that, you know, it could certainly go the other direction. The talent is there. It just. The underlying numbers didn't support what he did as a rookie and, and pointed to flaws in basically every aspect of, of the game offensively. And uh, it went the other way. So I, I don't regret it. You know, it was it was obviously a premium you were paying for him, a second round pick. and uh, you know, I, I, I just felt there were tr- more trustworthy options around him, some of them, and it turned out to be busts for what it's worth. But that's the way it goes. You you look for the biggest red flags among the earliest round players. And I'm always going to... I'm always going to put a potential bust label on that because, you know, the downside could absolutely ruin you.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's basically how I viewed Javier Baez for the past three seasons before this. And then I finally gave in and I just said, <laughs> nah, you know, this is who Javier Baez is. You know, he can just... He can overcome... You know his terrible swinging strike rate and strikeout rate in general, and then this was the year I finally had a few shares, and Javier Baez completely sank me. So there you go. That's uh, yeah, you got to take those red flags into account. Uh, for me, the worst calls. How much? How, how much, Scott? How much time do you have? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> Trevor, Bauer. I only
1: named one. So you don't. You don't have to give all your worst calls. Uh
0: just yeah. Trevor Bauer was just a bad one. Whit Merrifield, I kind of thought that he was at the end of the line. Prove me wrong. Frankie Montas, final start of the season, 13 strikeouts. Where was that all year? For most of the season, he was not good. Rich Hill, under, you know, he really wasn't great this year. Last couple of starts were okay, but he was hurt. Frustrating. J.D. Martinez, like, hopefully we find out more in the offseason about whether or not they'll have those those video privileges in the in the dugout again because...
1: Yeah, J.D. Martinez is somebody who made everybody look bad. Yeah. Because nobody... There may be somebody on the record is saying he was going to drop off, but it would have been hard to make a convincing argument for that.
0: <sighs> yeah, J.D. Martinez, one of the most disappointing seasons in fantasy baseball this year. We're going to take a break. Just a reminder to check out all the other CBS Sports podcasts that we offer fantasy football today. Of course, with Adam Azer, Heath Cummings, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard... Ben Schrager, Chris Towers appears in there. I was on last week. A little FFT mailbag last weekend. So make sure to check that out. We have Pick 6 with Will Brinson and one of our newest podcasts, All Things Covered, featuring Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson and former Pittsburgh Steeler Bryant McFadden. Head on over to cbssports.com slash podcast to find out more information or just search in whatever app you use to listen to your podcast podcast. On Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, you can find all of our CBS Sports Podcasts there. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we have a lot more awards to get to. How many will we actually talk about? Hmm, I wonder. Mm-hmm. We'll do that. Here, fantasy baseball today. Take your business further with a smart and flexible
1: American Express Business Gold Card.
0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Scott just informed me that we have 27 more awards to get to in the next 20 minutes. So we will try starting right now. Thanks for making everyone look good. Who do you have here, Scott?
1: So this award went last year to Shane Bieber. It's basically everybody in the industry is in on this guy. uh, And he actually delivers. Zach Gallen is the recipient of this award this year. Other names considered include Quinta Maeda. And Danelson Lamette. So we were really we were really uh hitting some of those few breakout pitcher candidates this year.
0: Yeah, Gallon and Maeda for sure. I know a lot of people were on them. Some people were off of Danelson Lamet. Uh, Max Freed might be in this category as well. I know a lot of people liked Max Freed and for the most part was fantastic this season. So uh Gallon, Maeda, Freed, Lamet, those are your breakout pitchers. Looks good to me. Thanks for making everyone look bad, Scott. Paul Goldschmidt. Maybe
1: Hmm. not everyone was out on him, but I know you were, I know I was. Oh yeah. Like it, it looked like his bat was slowing down. Uh, big drop in batting average on fastballs last year. And he came roaring back in a way that actually he, he underachieved a little bit in the power department, especially according to the expected stats. Um, but he ended up having a good year nonetheless. And, uh, Deserves to be a top 10 first baseman next year, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. In 58 games, 304 batting average, 6 homers, 31 runs, 21 RBI for Paul Goldschmidt. With a 27% strikeout rate, a big contributor to his success was lowering his strikeout rate. 18.6% strikeout rate was a career best for Paul Goldschmidt, so that was huge, huge. For him, he, he slugged.
1: Back. He, you said mentioned only six home runs. He slugged 466. Expected slug was 513. Last year, expected slug was 517. The year before, 538. So, you know, his numbers were expected. Stats so were basically in line with what they usually are.
0: Mm. All right. All right. Something left here for Paul Goldschmidt, 33 years old. Might have one or two more really good seasons left in him. Let's see what happens heading into next season. The fake-out of the year. Pitcher edition. What, what does this mean, Scott?
1: Oh, I think it's self-explanatory. <laughs> we thought they were onto something, and it turns out they were not. And the pitcher who most embodied this was Aaron Savale. Guilty. Air. <laughs> oh, I was starting to make a believer out of me, and I was not high on him coming in. He, uh, Let's see. Through his first five starts, he had a 291 ERA. And then through the end of August, he, he had a 372 ERA. It was still looking pretty good. And then really, it was his last four starts where he crashed and burned, had a 736 ERA. He finished with a 474 ERA on the year. If you weren't paying attention over the weekend, you missed his worst start. Eight earned runs on 10 hits in four innings against the Pirates. Against the Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. The swinging strikes just disappeared on him. And uh, yeah, I don't see a lot of reason for optimism heading into next year.
0: This one hurts. Aaron Savali, this one hurts. Apologies to everyone out there. We did our final in-season podcast last Friday, and we gave out our, the pitchers we would use over the weekend. And I said Aaron Savale against the Pirates was a must-start pitcher. So I am sorry, but he probably cost a few people some fantasy championships. Four innings, eight runs. That is just... Oh, God, that is bad for Aaron volley. I uh, <laughs> see you have Dane Dunning here in the mix as well. The swinging strikes kind of fell off for him. See if he's using the postseason at all, if he can bounce back. Still pitched effectively, it's just the swinging strikes yeah. kind of... He, like,
1: he changed his pitch mix in a way like the yeah. old Pirates re- regime would have had Tyler Glass now do or something. He went from throwing his best two pitches more to his worst two pitches more. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't continue.
0: All right, so the same thing, the fake out of the year, the hitter edition.
1: This one hurts me because I was adamant it wasn't legit when he started out. But then I finally hopped aboard the Kyle Lewis bandwagon just in time for him to crash and burn. In part because it looked like his plate discipline had improved so much. I would, that's why I started to come around. But then in September, he hit 147. Kyle Lewis did, finishing with a 262 batting average for the year. Remember, for a while there, like he was hitting 350. As late as August 27th, he was hitting 350. And he finishes at 262. In September, when he struggled so much, his strikeout rate was 37.1.
0: Best comeback. Pitcher edition. I'm going
1: to go with Carlos Carrasco. I mean, just what he was coming back from is a big part of it but also the extent of the comeback. I mean, this was arguably the best, best version of Carlos Carrasco we've ever seen. And he got off cut to kind of a bumpy start too, but final six starts, a 166 ERA, 103 whip, 10.2K per nine, 17% swinging strike rate. And all six of those starts were six innings or more. So he was clear-cut ace and uh, obviously won't have the same concerns heading into next season now that the leukemia battle is hopefully well behind him.
0: Yeah, he made 12 starts in 2020, and nine of them he went at least six innings. So, yeah, it's giving you volume. Fantastic bounce-back season four. Carlos Carrasco. Uh, yeah, considering he's probably going to win comeback play. That's a real award, right, in baseball? Comeback player of the yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah, so... 100% deserved it there for Carrasco. He probably will, but he'll have strong
1: competition from my best comeback hitter edition.
0: Mm, tell us, Which Scott.
1: is Salvador Perez, who of course missed all of 2019 because of Tommy John surgery. His numbers for a catcher that, I mean, unlike we've, I'm, I'm not even sure it's a comeback because this was so much better than he's ever been before. 333 with 11 home runs in 37 games of 986 OPS, I know. There's some debate whether he should be the number two catcher because of those numbers, uh, given his previous track record. But uh, particularly at that position, that kind of production at that position, uh, he's another guy who I'm sure is on a lot of league winners, kind of like Shane Bieber is. And and by the way, I thought this was a slam dunk, best comeback hitter edition. I thought, I thought Corey Seager was a slam dunk for this category, just going top of mind, but then I remembered Salvador Perez was coming back from something, too.
0: Yeah, Salvador Perez averaged 3.7 fantasy points per game. That was more than JT Real Muto. That was the most among catchers who actually played. There's a few on this list that you know only made a few appearances. But, uh, yeah, was even better than JT Real Muto on a per-game basis. Corey Seager talks a lot about him all season. Uh, great bounce-back year for him. Better than we've ever seen, Corey Seager. 943 OPS. Mr. Remember Me. Who do you have for this, Scott? Trevor Rosenthal.
1: Because I'm sure most who had played fantasy for a while, long enough to know who he was, thought he'd never contribute again. But he had a great season as the closer for the Royals and then later the Padres. He His 11 saves were tied for seventh in baseball. There were only... 10 total relievers with 10 or more saves. And Trevor Rosenthal was one of them. He had a 190 ERA, a 0.85 whip for a guy who's had major control issues in the past. And uh, the strikeout rate was amazing too. It was 14.5 per nine. So he's a free agent. He was only on a one-year deal. I imagine he's going to sign somewhere to close next year and hopefully be a closer for years to come. We could use more as reliable as him, as crazy as that sounds.
0: (laughs) Honestly. Oh, man. Who would have thought? 1.90 ERA career best. Short in season, obviously, but uh, yeah, this is the best version of Rosenthal that we've ever seen. 16.5% swinging strike rate, also a career high. 3.04 walks per nine is the best we've seen since 2013. We know he has the stuff, and he has the the closer mentality, if you believe in that kind of thing. In in 2014 and 2015, he was 45 saves or better in each of those seasons. So, Nice little bounce back for Rosenthal. I hope he does earn himself a nice little contract, uh, and hopefully he can continue to build off of this. A player who shed the one-hit wonder label in 2020, Scott?
1: A few did, but DJ LeMay, who I think did with the most gusto, actually improved significantly on those 2019 numbers batting title with a 364 average went from an amazing 893 OPS to 1011 was his OPS this year I think pretty obviously the number one second baseman next year no matter where he signs
0: uh, all right defends the one hit wonder label <laughs> yeah you actually as a opposed
1: few. to sheds the one hit wonder level he defends it and that's
0: yeah you had a few I, options I, for this one too Scott
1: <laughs> sure but i the, the one i was most disappointed in was josh bell never got anything going and surprisingly because he struck out a ton which was ne- something he'd never done at the major league like that was he was he was a weak hitter who at least put the bat on the ball a lot before last year's breakout and like the you know it was his best year in terms of it was i'm sorry it was his second best year in terms of hitting the ball hard obviously second to last year but the strikeouts were not where we're used to seeing him, and he just never got it going.
0: Yeah, fair to, fair to question Josh Bell heading into next year, too. Sure, The lineup context, uh, does Pittsburgh opt to blow it up? Maybe they trade Josh Bell away. It doesn't really make sense to do now at his suppressed value, but uh, I guess everything is on the table for the Pittsburgh Pirates. We only have about 10 minutes left here, Scott, so let's kind of rapid fire the one nobody rapid saw fire. coming. The one
1: nobody saw coming, from Bervaldez, who I'd actually, you know, I'd, I liked him in the past, but the talk was all like Josh James and Jose Urquidy coming into this season. It seemed like Valdez's opportunity had passed him by. Clearly not. He finally put it all together. got the walks down enough. Was by far the best ground ball pitcher and with a good number of strikeouts too.
0: Mr. Yawn and move on.
1: Marco Gonzalez, because I know that's what we're going to do with him again, even though he just continues to get it done. Biggest underachiever. Bryce Harper, which sounds amazing because, like, he he up to stock this year, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, his expected stats were better than even his MVP season. He had, he had only 268, his expected batting average was 307. He slugged 542, his expected slug was 657. That's like a difference of 135 points. Like, for as good as it was, it seems like it should have been so much better. And by the way, Corey Seeger also fits into this category. Like, makes you wonder just how high the ceiling is for, for both of these players right now.
0: And you pointed out that Bryce Harper's expected stats in 2020 were even better than in 2017 MVP. when he won the MVP. Or 2015. Well, 2015, that's what it was. Yep. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Wow. Definitely a second round pick for uh, Bryce Harper next year don't make that mistake don't pass up on Bryce Harper biggest overachiever chris bassett
1: who finishes the year with a 2.29 era somehow his xfip is 449 and curious what his xera is that's the statcast one if i can open his page real quick it is 378 so not as big of a difference but still a lot worse than 229
0: the biggest prospect payoff. You have quite a few options here.
1: Yeah, I wanted to go with Alec Baum because he was somebody I was pitching a lot, but I ended up going with Ian Anderson who made a big impact and a much-needed impact at starting pitcher down the stretch in his six starts, a 195 ERA, 108 whip, 11.4K per nine, Um, and I was doubting him coming up, so he made me look bad.
0: Ian Anderson, how do you feel about him? As I assume he'll be the SP two in 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 the wild card round, Scott. Yep, you're not feeling good about about the Cincinnati Reds matchup.
1: I mean, the Braves (laughs) clearly the the Reds pitcher clearly outclasses the Braves pitcher in all three of those games. So I know it's going to be another first round exit, and everybody's going to be mad and write off the Braves forevermore. And uh, just I'm, I'm wearing my Braves jersey today, hoping it'll bring them some good. Good luck, but.
0: Don't don't count them out yet, Scott. I, one thing I, I've noticed is that you and I are are the biggest pessimistic fans of our teams that I know. Like you, you're like doom and gloom for the Braves. I I don't think that I think Yankees are going to lose to Cleveland as well in the first round. Mm-hmm. Going up Listen, against the that Braves have been now, to so. a
1: lot of playoffs since two thousand one. They have not won a playoff series since two thousand one.
0: All right, Scott. The biggest prospect tease in twenty twenty.
1: Nate Pearson, who I was hyping to the hills, I'm sure a lot of people were, and just did nothing, then got hurt. I mean, certainly Dylan Carlson fits into this category to a degree. Could go with somebody like Gavin Lux or Joe Adell, but you know, I'm I like I like this more for a mid-season call up like Pearson. I mean, Lux was a mid-season call up too, but we had seen him before.
0: Yeah, quite a few letdowns here. Carter Keyboom. I don't know mm-hmm. what to make out of him. I, I think he's still too young to just say He's not good, but I think we're getting close. And then Joey Bart, I don't think that he had enough yet, but certainly was not great for the San Francisco Giants. I was about to say 49ers. The quietest breakout in 2020. Kevin
1: Gossman, who I mentioned a few times as being the quietest breakout, uh, his swinging strike rate was elite. His K per nine, it was almost 12. Like He was a bat-missing phenomenon like we had always hoped to see from him but he never came close before this year and it's like nobody cared
0: the gonzo award for biggest weirdo oh
1: come on i wanted the quieter than quietest breakout there was the quietest breakout and the quieter than quietest breakout yes was drew smiley kevin gossman's teammate who had another great start in the final weekend he struck out 10 over five innings, 18 swinging strikes on 98 pitches. He finishes with a 14.9% swinging strike rate, a 201 FIP, a 257 X FIP. Drew Smiley, he was throwing 2.5 miles per hour harder this year. He might be, there, there might be something here to Drew Smiley.
0: Yeah, back-to-back Giants for sure, Gosman and Smiley. Really interesting seasons. Now,
1: the Gonzo Award for Biggest Weirdo. Uh, I can understand why you jumped to that, because it's my best-named award.
0: (laughs) I did have to Google who Gonzo was. Oh, come on. You cannot (laughs) be serious. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh, Christian Javier. Don't know why he's good. Don't know why he was in the minors either. But it's even weirder in the majors because he doesn't get that many strikeouts. But he just seems impossible to square up. So... We'll see if it continues.
0: I think that there are usually quite a few of, this, of these players for this award, but the guy fantasy footballers won't see coming. Basically someone who broke out in September. Yeah,
1: I really had a hard time settling on one here because I'm not confident how good I think any of these players are, but I think Jared Walsh makes the most sense. The power binge he went on down the stretch. He ended up striking out just 15 times in his 108 plate appearances. Hit 293, doesn't walk much. You know, it's, it's, he's threading the needle in terms of remaining an impact hitter in the majors by not walking much. Uh, but if he can keep the strikeouts down, I think he can remain somebody who deserves to start in the majors and uh potential home run source in fantasy. So, Willie Castro was another name I thought about the two Royals pitchers, Brady Singer, who actually finished very well, had a, had a really good final start after disappointing the. The first of his two starts last week, Chris Bubich, um, John Means had a really interesting finish for the Orioles. A lot more whiffs. He's throwing. It he was like Drew Smiley. He threw a lot harder this year, so that's another name I'm interested in. And
0: fantasy footballers may not be Tanner Houck, I see you have him on this list as well, and his stuff is interesting. You know, watching his past, uh, his final couple of starts here with the Boston Red Sox, he was on their prospect list, but not a huge prospect. But he he looks solid. The Jabba Chamberlain award. What is this, Scott?
1: Uh well, you should know as a Yankees fan, the Jabba there Jabba Chamberlain started out as a dominant reliever and, okay. and, and then tried to make him into him a him starter into rotation yeah. and it went okay at first, but then it didn't go so okay and then there was a lot of back and forth where where should he go and then he was just never good again. Uh Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, who It was kind of the opposite of Brady Singer. The first start last week was great. The second start was a disaster. Two of his final three starts were a disaster, and so I'm sure Mets and Mets fans are wondering, what should Seth Lugo be for them next year? I don't know the answer. He showed some potential as a starter, but of course he was a lights-out reliever. We'll see.
0: Hopefully he does not go down the same route as Jabba Chamberlain. Mr. It's not as bad as it looks. Christian
1: Yelich. And we talked about that a lot over the course of the season. Obviously, the strikeout rate was way up. And I do think there was some bad bad Babbitt luck. But in terms of quality of contact, it was still very high. And I don't suspect the strikeout rate would have lasted all season long. Um, So I I really think Christian Yelich is fine. It's why I, I still want to rank him ahead of Trey Turner going into next year at this point. Uh, But we'll see. By the way, the pitcher version of Mr. It's Not As Bad As It Looks would probably be Jack Flaherty for me. That's who I originally slotted in. But Yelich is the answer.
0: Yeah, as long as Jack Flaherty is not pitching in Miller Park. Mr. It's exactly as bad as it looks.
1: Patrick Corbin. Velocity down. The swinging strikes went way, way down over the course of the season. It's such a weird year that I don't want to bury him yet. Maybe he'll come roaring back next year, but it's... I definitely want him at a... He has to come at a discount next year. Um, might be in my top 40 pitchers. I'm not sure.
0: The Middle Relief Miracle Award goes to...
1: Yeah, it's the first year for this category. It goes to Mr. Devin Williams, who was the third best reliever Relief pitcher-eligible player in Roto Leagues. Actually, the second-best true reliever behind Liam Hendricks. He finished ahead of all the closers, but one. He had a .33 ERA, a .63 whip, 53 strikeouts in 27 innings. That's almost two per inning for Devin Williams. He was the best reliever on the Brewers last year, which is really saying something, given who else is in that bullpen.
0: 22% swinging strike rate. For Devin Williams, 17.67K per nine, 61% ground ball rate.
1: His changeup
0: is filthy, and he might be the NL Rookie of the Year. I don't understand. His roster ship, I,
1: never, I don't think ever reached 40%, and I understand why points leaguers didn't want anything to do with it, but how could he not start in any categories leagues with the amount of strikeouts he was getting and the volume he was pitching for a reliever? I know he was a fixture in a couple of mine, including that Tout Wars team that won it all. The Delicate Arm Award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Walker Bueller. Uh, just how, how the Dodgers were always handling him with kid gloves to the point that it really became an issue in a shortened season like this one because he never really got stretched out. Uh, they, it, it seemed like they never really wanted him stretched out. Like They were just saving him for the playoffs the whole time, and it, re- it, it makes me worry about how they're going to handle him next year. Blake Snell gets an honorable mention here. Never went six innings. Let's see. Not a single start.
0: Let's see if Walker Buehler can get stretched out a little bit more in the postseason. Although usually teams have a quick hook there as well. The delayed breakout award. Some really awesome names
1: here. That's the one. I I told you he was coming up. Dominic Smith. I think pretty easily claims this award. Former top prospect. Former 11th overall pick. I think. Uh, And it looked like Pete Alonso leapfrogged him, and he'd never get his chance. But then the DH came to the NL. And Dominic Smith had a much better year than Pete Alonso. So he'll
0: definitely have a spot for him
1: next year. Honorable mentions, Clint Frazier, Ian Happ.
0: Dom Smith was a top five first baseman in Roto Leagues as well this past season. Mr. Look Who finally decided to show up.
1: So I wanted to go with George Springer here, who had an amazing finish, and his final numbers turned out to be very much like we hoped for from George Springer. But... Frankie Montas, in dramatic fashion, his final start of the season. Six innings, zero earned runs, 13 strikeouts on 20 swinging strikes. That was his first good start in seven. So I'm not sure what to make of it. It was against the Mariners, but it was good in every way. Uh, Apparently, he stopped thinking and was... stopped thinking so much and was pitching with anger. That's what his manager said. Um... (laughs) He said he was kind of in his head all year. I don't know. I don't know. The splitter The splitter ended up with a good whiff rate and a decent usage rate for the year, but it got hit pretty hard. So I, I don't know that it was really ever there for him. It got five swinging strikes on 17 splitters in this one. So, you know, he'll rank even lower than Patrick Corbin for me, Montas, Will, but he did finally show up.
0: And it all comes full circle, Scott. I'm so happy that we saved the best for last. The final award of the show for 2020 goes to the We're Doing This Again, Aren't We?
1: Joe Musgrove, just for you, Frankie. Joe Musgrove. How can we quit on a guy who finished the year with back-to-back double-digit strikeout efforts? I don't know that we can.
0: 2021 will be the year that I'm finally out on Joe Musgrove. Scott will rank him inside his top 40. He'll break out. Scott will get all the credit. I was <laughs> on Joe Musgrove for years. He never broke out. It's Look, the, it's it's obvious at this point. I, I know that as soon as I jump ship from Joe Musgrove, he will turn into an amazing starting pitcher. So I'm not ready to jump ship yet. You shun it. <laughs> After coming off the IL, he made
1: five starts. Joe Musgrove did 216 ERA, 0.92 whip, 13.7 K per nine, a 16% swinging strike rate. Really good stuff.
0: He does this every year, the final month, Scott. I remember the final four starts of 2019 where the swinging strike rate went way up. The slider curveball usage went way up. It wasn't this high. I would have been in on him too if it was this high. Next year is the year. I hope so. I hope it's finally the year. That'll do it for our season awards. Let us know what you think. What should we name these things? The Azers, the FPTs, the Scotties, something different. Emails, cbsi.com. Send some emails in. We'll continue to answer those towards the end of shows. For Scott White, I am Frank Stample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again on Thursday. Bye-bye.